It's time to talk about Las Vegas with Ira. Each week, Ira David Sternberg talks with the celebrities, entertainers, writers, and personalities who make Las Vegas the most exciting city in the world. And now, here's Ira. The music and performance community of Las Vegas has been hard hit since the coronavirus began, and my next guest is in a unique position to explain how deep the ramifications are for everyone in the industry. He's Pat Kaddick. He's been involved in the Los Angeles and Las Vegas music scene for more than 30 years as a musician, arranger, orchestrator, producer, and director. And in a recent Facebook post, he listed the dozens upon dozens of individuals and businesses affected by the shutdown. Pat, welcome to the show. I'd like to, it's a great topic to talk about because I think it's important. And we're also obviously going to talk about your long career, both in Los Angeles and in Las Vegas. So welcome aboard. Ira, thanks for having me on the show. I appreciate you. Thank you. You made a very good point in your Facebook post, and you had quite the list of, people just think the entertainer or the entertainer's band is affected by a showdown of the showroom or a lounge or a concert hall, etc. But no, it's a lot of people that you don't normally think about, such as tour managers, caterers, production assistants, the carpenters, bartenders, I'm only doing a partial list clearly, hair, makeup designers, producers, choreographers, and then you go beyond that in terms of the shops that feed people and supply people with material as well. It got me thinking, and I thought, you know, let's have Patrick on to talk about this. You, you're in the middle of it in a way, and have you, have you thought about any solutions to this issue? You brought it up in a very, I think it resonated with a lot of people the way you brought it up. So that's part one. But part two is, is have you thought through, is there, a, is there a solution, partial solution, organization, or some way to approach this? Well, I think, simplistically, we're looking to figure out a way to get people back to work. Many of these people particularly performers, singers, musicians, dancers. This is their sole source of income. It's how they feed themselves and their family. And while unemployment across the country is high right now, and it's also very high in the state of Nevada, in our community it's at about 99% right now. So there are, uh, there's a huge group of people that have been out of work, 99 out of 100 that have been out of work for, you know, coming up on four months. And the solution, obviously, easier said than done, would be to get some of these people back to work. So I've been personally been in contact with hotels, entertainment directors, so on and so forth, to see what it is that we could do creatively to get this thing fired up again. And... Everybody is still kind of waiting for the other shoe to drop because, as you know, in the last couple or so weeks, we've had another, another rise in infection of, of COVID-19. So it makes people hesitate to, you know, to make a move. Uh, hotels are open, but as far as live performance, they're being very careful. Uh, well, I know there's a couple of places that have opened up a, their lounges, not a lot, but a few, and I, when I talked with Frankie Shinta a few weeks ago on the show, we talked about that. Maybe that would be the new paradigm where you would have the lounges and those who could perform in the lounges getting work as opposed to those artists that require a much more 
a larger infrastructure, so to speak, with a band or an orchestra and scenic design, et cetera. Do you see that as a possible first step that the lounges start to all open up? I think so. I think that them being willing to to take a shot on opening the lounges would, would help. Uh, there's just only so many of them. You know, there's a limited number of lounges. And so for the for the number of people that are out of work, this would suffice maybe 5%, you know. Right, uh, right. The rest would, would still remain unemployed. And as you know, with, with Cirque going down, most of the big production companies here, I mean, they shut down 100%. They've thought about live streaming of performances and so on and so forth. But as you know, from having been a good and venerable citizen and part of this community for a long time, there's nothing like live performance. And Las Vegas has taken pride in that for many years. Right now, they're still, they being the hotels, are still trying to figure out how to make this work. And, and as I, I, as you read in my, my post on Facebook, it's far-reaching because this is not just musicians. This is not just singers, performers that are being put out of work, but it's, it's also, you know, it's, it spreads from there. So there are a huge portion of people, 100,000 people in this town that work in this industry that are, it's not even like they can relocate. You know, when we, when we went through a bad turn in the economy about 10 or 12 years ago, people moved other places. They went home, whatever that meant, wherever they were from. Here, they're going to face pretty much the same thing wherever they go, even if it's abroad. You know, there I've got guys that work with me that have been talking about, well, maybe we could go to Italy and get some work, or maybe we could go, you know, other places abroad. The truth of the matter is there is, it's, it's interesting to me that it's, it's considered non-essential. It's not being given first priority by any stretch of the imagination. And while I understand that, everybody strives for the creativity it, it feeds their soul. This is when people are listening to more music, they're watching more Netflix, you know, they're, they're participating in stuff that makes them feel better, and it's all of a creative nature. So the, the goal for me is I'd like to get as many people back to work and as soon as I can as possible. Our governor, Governor Sisolak, has, you know, and, and rightfully so, I, I'm not in his shoes, and I can't judge him. He has pushed back phase three a couple of times already. And trying to be cautious, he's, he keeps scooting this back. And while it may be necessary, it is still disheartening to people who, who do what we do. Because it's not like saying this is going to run its course in, in two or three or four months. We're at four months, and we're already into. We don't know what the future holds. And you raised a good point, Pat, too, which was years ago, they had the musicians strike, and a lot of musicians lost work. Some chose to go to Los Angeles or other cities to find work. 
but this pandemic is such that you can't really go to another city to find work because they're having the same issues in the other cities. Right. Yeah, the difficulty is the same, and it is just the thought of worldwide pandemic is absolutely stunning, you know, frightening to a lot of people. And there are people who will have to make career changes. There's no question about it. Fortunately, if you want to work, there is some sort of work out there, though not necessarily in your craft. You know, right. if, if, you know, you're a master musician or dancer or whatever the case may be, there is a place for you somewhere. Uh, it might be, you know, Amazon or Smith's right. Foods or right. whatever the case may be. Well, you, you have to feed your family, so yeah, absolutely. Right. Have you thought about this, Pat? Because, again, reading your post, it was very well thought out and thorough. Have you thought about putting together an informal group of people meeting via Zoom or some other medium and talking about these issues and kicking it around? They always say that the best antidote for depression is action. And I'm wondering whether even just getting people represent the various elements of the entertainment community into a conference and meeting via, as I said, Zoom or Skype or some other way, and maybe coming up with some ideas that I haven't thought of, you haven't thought of, others haven't thought of, but maybe somebody else has thought of, and all of a sudden you're kicking around ways to possibly kickstart this thing or at least find alternatives to make it work. I think it's a good idea. I think it's a good idea. I would need a little technical help, but I, I have that available at my house. My, all of my children are here. They're all grown. They're all adults, and they're all concerning Zoom and so on and so forth. They're all very technically savvy, right. so I'm sure they could they could help me with that. Yeah, I just think I, it, that might be a way to, to at least bring people together and talk about it, and maybe even having one person represent each facet of the entertainment industry, such as a director and a casting director and a lighting guy and the prop guy and some of the ancillary services as well, and maybe just by a force multiplier of a meeting can come up with, I'm not saying a full solution, but certainly maybe there's alternatives that nobody's thought of yet. But that's an excellent point because regardless of what, what the result of such a meeting would be, it's really important to keep, for lack of a better term, the memory of what we do active. Correct. To keep it alive because otherwise there is there's a huge silent majority, I call them the silent majority here today, who are concerned about being able to pay their bills, being right. able to feed their families, you know. I mean, I sent out a note to, to the many, many people that I've worked with, you know, musicians, performers, and so on and so forth. My main involvement in things like Vegas the Show zombie, burlesque, bad, has been to, to, to help creative, wonderfully talented people get work. And these people are, you know, have other gigs, and they're okay, they're going to be fine. And some of them are not so much. And so I look at that as you've got three children, you're young, this has been your, your main source, you're a guitar player and your wife is a dancer, your main source of income has been, 
you know, being, been, being directly or indirectly involved in stuff that I'm involved in. And now your income went from, you know, something that would, would keep your life sustainable. Some of these guys have qualified, these, these men and ladies have qualified for some degree of unemployment as far as I know. And some haven't. So it's, it's kind of uh, the luck of the draw. It's a challenge, too, because a lot of these people are independent contractors as opposed to salaried employees, so it's, right. it's a lot harder to do that. It is. I mean, fortunately, it has opened up, so there are 1099 gig workers who are able to, to claim benefit from the government, but it's a, it's a risky proposition. You know, they ask a lot of questions, and sometimes if the answer is not exactly the answer that aligns with their algorithm, they shut you down. So, you know, we've been doing the best that we can for for people in terms of making sure that food, medicine, whatever the case may be, and the basic essentials of life, you know, that need to be cared for. And the community, in large part, has a way of taking care of itself. One thing, one interesting byproduct of what I put on Facebook was people that I know from all over the country have called me or sent me a note or a card and said, we want to participate. We want to help these people. Can I send you a check for a hundred dollars? Can I, you know, contribute in some way? So the goodness of people also comes to the forefront and we really appreciate that part of it. But Obviously, this is something that, that can't go on forever, and people sustain it. Broadway is talking about, Broadway in New York is talking about reopening in March of 2021. You know, that's a very long time from now. If you look at the schedules of shows by big concert promoters here in Las Vegas that have been moved, shows that were scheduled in May, June, and July, are now being moved to March, April, May of next year. They're skipping over August to February. Right. They're skipping the rest of 2020, in essence. Yeah. And into 2021. Yeah. Well, let's take a break. My guest, Pat Caddick, has been involved in Los Angeles and Las Vegas music scene for more than 30 years as a musician, arranger, orchestrator, producer, and director. You can follow him on Instagram at pat underscore caddick, C-A-D-D-I-C-K, and also on Facebook. We'll be right back. We'll be back with more Talk About Las Vegas with Ira in just a moment. You've seen mobsters and cops face off on the big screen. You've heard the legends of Al Capone and Elliot Ness. But how much do you know about what really happened? Dive into the true stories behind the myths of organized crime and law enforcement at the Mob Museum the country's finest collection of mob artifacts, history, and interactive exhibits. Find out more and get tickets at themobmuseum.org. Now let's get back to Talk About Las Vegas with Ira. Welcome back. I'm talking with Pat Caddick. He's been involved in the Los Angeles and Las Vegas music scene for more than 30 years as a musician, arranger, orchestrator, producer, and director. And you can follow him on Instagram at pat underscore caddick, 
and also on Facebook. Pat, I think it is a gloomy time, but at the same time, Las Vegas has faced all kinds of adversities over the last several decades, and I've, I've been here for a lot of them. And it just seems that there is a spirit in Las Vegas that doesn't die. So I think, I don't, I don't want to be overly optimistic, but I think that there's going to be at some point a way out of this. I think you're right. I don't think it can go on forever. Well, we know it can't go on forever, but I guess that depends on what somebody's definition of forever is. For me, I've tried to maintain a creative regimen at home. I have a recording studio here, and I've been working on a gospel record, and I've been working on the bones of a Christmas show for whenever that becomes feasible. So I've managed to keep busy, and you know I've been doing this a long time. So for myself and my family, we've done okay. Right. I mean, we've had to make sacrifices. But when we look at, at everybody else, another three months could be, to some, can be very, very harmful. So as far as coming out on the other side, it'll be it'll be like anything else. It'll be like people getting the virus. You know, some uh, survive and some unfortunately have not. And it'll be the same in our industry, I would imagine. Some will survive this and some will have to move on to something else. But I've always been a huge proponent of, of live performance and doing everything that we could do to get as many people to work as possible. And, you know, we will continue to do that the men and women that work at the hotels that deal with entertainment, many of whom you know and I know very well, are also concerned for both sides. They're empathetic for our side, but they're also concerned about being able to bring entertainment to the forefront again and trying to figure out a plan to be able to do that. So I've had conversations about shows We'll put that in quotes where we could have 50 guests in the audience. And we were looking at some pretty high profile people that would be willing to come and perform for 50 people. You know, the tickets might be a little expensive or they might be 20 bucks, depending on what it is. Right. But I think our, our greatest desire is to be able to get the wheels turning, to get that one stage, that one opportunity, that one performance off the ground, that will lead to to many more. And it'd be something too, Pat, that I think the hotels could subsidize initially. In other words, to move away from the four-wall concept that took over Las Vegas when the corporations moved in, and be willing to subsidize or underwrite those kinds of performances just to get the engine going again. I think that's a great idea, you know. I don't want to be presumptuous, but I would assume that they could readily afford to do that. And, you know, as a result of such, I think that that's a, that's a big benefit and a big blessing to both sides going forward because people come to Las Vegas to be entertained, whether they're being entertained by gaming, by food, by music, by shows, concerts, whatever the case may be. You know? Yes, and yeah. I think I think if you had a choice of going to Casino A that has no entertainment or Casino B that's trying out this new concept with maybe 50 people in the audience and a reasonable price that's subsidized, they're going to go to Casino B with that subsidized situation so they could have some entertainment besides the entertainment of the casino. I think you're right. 
So that would be uh, kind of cool. There's certainly a lot of room right now. Yeah, you know, no doubt about it. That are quiet, nothing at all happening, and nothing scheduled. You know, there's some people who have unfortunately already thrown in the towel because it's been a long time. You know, and we can see already the scape of shows that won't be coming back. Right. I, I wouldn't necessarily include Cirque in that. They filed for protection, for bankruptcy protection, which is frankly a good business move. You know, that is that's a way for them to be able to to continue going on going forward and protecting themselves against you know, against the harms of, of what they're, the rigors of what they're going through right now. Yeah, they have so, a big, they have a big nut to crack with payroll and property and licensing and all of that stuff. It's a lot of money. And they're losing many millions a week. Right. In box office. Many right. Millions. And so, you know, 30 days becomes very expensive. 60 days is very, very heavy for them. So it's, uh, I hope and pray for, uh, a solution and I'm on the phone all the time talking to people about well what about this how about if we did it this way maybe you know one of my good friends runs entertainment and we should pull out so his name is Neil Miller I'm sure you know Neil oh yes and uh, we've been been bantering around all the possibilities of what is it that we can possibly do to get this back off the ground. Obviously, we don't want to put people at risk, but I think we have a pretty good idea of how this pandemic affects people and how it gets to people. So wearing masks, washing your hands, using sanitizer, so on and so forth, and keeping a good social distance, a physical distance, one from another. You know, I think that we're we're smart enough and resourceful enough that we can, you know, we can work our way through that. Yes, it's going to be a little strange because yes, we will. are used to sitting next to each other, you know. Right? No, no, absolutely. You know, something I was thinking about, too, in addition to the, uh, the idea we kicked around earlier, is one of my guests a couple of weeks ago, Joe Brown and Tina Quigley, and they, they're running Restoration Nevada, which is on Facebook, and it's ideas that are kicked around by people about how to get the economy going. And I'm thinking that you could be part of that as part of the entertainment subgroup of that or even create something similar, sort of restoration entertainment in Nevada, so that you guys can kick around maybe via Facebook ideas that might be working as well, in addition to the Skype or the Zoom meetings. So it's just another thought. I'd be happy to contact them. Yeah, just it's Restoration Nevada, and uh, if you just send them an email through that or through Facebook, they'll definitely get back to you. And I can't let you go without talking a little bit about your career because we've talked about the importance of really getting people back to work, and I think we've we've established a sense of it for people listening who may not realize how extensive the implications are for a shutdown of the entertainment industry in Las Vegas. But you've been a part of the entertainment industry, as I mentioned earlier, for more than 30 years. You've been you've been in Los L.A. You've been in Las Vegas. You've worked with people like Barbara Streisand and. Oh, just everybody is Siegfried and Roy, Celine Dion, Clint Holmes, Tower of Power, everybody. And you taught at USC. So you have this wide, extensive background in the world of entertainment. And how did you get there? How did you start? I never, I guess that's the question. How, how did you begin? Because that's, I've never been able to find where your beginning point was in all of that. In other words, did you wake up a child prodigy one day or did you just decide you would, you would go into music versus 
something else, plumbing. Well, the short version is I was a, a senior in high school. I was a really good student, and I loved music, but I didn't have any participation in music. I didn't play an instrument to speak of or anything like that. And at the time, this is a long time ago, this is 1975, our guidance counselors would even do our applications to college for us. I know that sounds weird. So me coming from Providence, Rhode Island, my guidance counselor filled out an application for me to go to Brown University, Boston College, Brown, you know, make, make a list of all the local schools. And I actually got accepted to Brown University on a scholarship because my academics were pretty good. And I told my guidance counselor, I want to go to a music school. And he said, well, what's your background? I went, I really don't have any, but I would like to. He went, That's, it doesn't even make any sense. Okay, so I applied. Based on my academics, they took me to Berkeley College of Music in Boston, and I came in at the bottom 3% of the class, came out in the top 5% four years later, and went to work. And the way I've always approached it is, when I'm not recording, I'm playing live, I'm doing concerts, I'm, I'm teaching at USC. That, that could be another whole story all in and of itself. I love sharing the information that we've gathered. But through the people you meet, many, many wonderful people, I've been very blessed for all of these years. I came back to Las Vegas. I, I was here in Las Vegas for about three years. I played piano for Wayne Newton. This is in the early 80s. And I, I couldn't thank him enough for the opportunities that he gave me then as a kid. I went from here to Los Angeles. I opened a recording studio. I became a professor at USC, went through the rigors of all of that. And mostly was always seeing what was going on and how it could allow me to get better at what I do and to work, to continue to work. So all of that leads us to this microcosm and so in some ways, this is not completely unfamiliar territory for me. It's obviously one of the most dire situations we've ever seen people in. But in terms of, you know, the community helps itself. People help each other. There are very few people, especially the great ones that I've worked with, who are not willing to help, to share, to teach, to encourage other people, other performers and people who are coming up and so on and so forth. Right. And it's one of my favorite things to do and the favorite part of what I do. And so. I think, too, that with what you posted about and what we've been talking about prior to a discussion of your career is you have been helping people but also teaching people or making people aware, that might be the better term, such as in that post where you talked about the impact of the close down of entertainment in Las Vegas and who it affects and why it affects them and all of the ripples of that, that's, that's education as well for people that may, or making people aware of something they may not have thought about. I believe it is. And I think it comes from a, it really does come from a place of love and respect. It's not political. It's not judgmental. It isn't any of that. It's, you know, as my grandfather would say, people got to eat. Yeah, that's and right. That's we bottom look at line. it from that simple perspective. It's like, yeah, I wish I was in a position to be able to help everybody. But if we can help somebody today, we're moving in the right direction. And 
ironically, seemingly people who have the the least resources for themselves are the most generous in helping others. So I think it's part of human nature. We, you know, we hear so much bad on the news and so on and so forth, but I believe that people are generally good and that people are generous, people are helpful to one another, and we also try to make a habit of surrounding ourselves with people like that because it makes it makes a huge difference, makes a big impact. And if I've done anything right, I've taught it to my kids. So. <laughs> well, that's a great way to leave it on a positive note. My guest has been Pat Caddick. He's been involved in the Los Angeles and Las Vegas music scene for more than 30 years as a musician, arranger, orchestrator, producer, and director. And if you want to get in touch with him, you can follow him on Instagram at Pat underscore Caddick, C-A-D-D-I-C-K, and also on Facebook. And Pat, thanks for being on the show. Oh, Ivor, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thanks again. See you next time. You've been listening to Talk About Las Vegas with Ira. Each week, Ira David Sternberg talks with the celebrities, entertainers, writers, and personalities who make Las Vegas the most exciting city in the world. Hey, Las Vegas.